right, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Go ahead and turn there. This is week number four in Holy Spirit Reign. This is a teaching series that we're doing, um, bringing an emphasis to the Holy Spirit, who He is, um, what it means to be baptized in the Spirit, and, um, and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And something that we've said every week is that you can't live a life worthy of the calling without the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. How many would agree with that? Can I get an amen? amen? You can't live the life that God has called you to live without the Holy Spirit. And so we have, we have already spent three weeks laying down some uh, foundational principles um, so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives. Um, because that's what we want. We don't want to just exist on this planet. We want to, uh, we want to make a difference uh, we want to live lives worthy of the calling. And the only way we can do that is if the Holy Spirit is flowing in us, filling us up, leading us, guiding us, and all those things. Today we're going to look at, we're going to begin looking at the nine manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. So um, 1 Corinthians 12, go ahead and turn there. And then look at verse 7. It says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit to each one. Let me just stop and say that he's talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to pagans. He's talking to believers, Christians. To each Christian is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And last week I told you that that word Spirit is the word pneuma. It means Holy Spirit. So to each Christian is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of the living God for the common good. Now I want to, I want to rest right here on the word manifestation because depending upon... Uh, maybe your church background, this word manifestation could, uh, could mean something very intimidating or um, scary or whatever. Manifestation simply means to make visible or known that which is not visible, that which is hidden or unknown, whether it's by words or it's by deeds or any other way. In other words, the spirit who is invisible shows himself visibly, manifests himself. And we're all familiar with John 14, verses six, uh, 16 and 17, where it talks about the Helper, uh, the Spirit of Truth, talking about the Holy Spirit will be in us. He is in us. It also talks about how He is in us forever. We know that the Spirit of the Lord is in us. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit uh, in us at all times. But look what it says in verse 7. It says, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means that there are times when God will come upon you to give you the supernatural ability to meet the needs of other people. That's why it says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And these encounters are, uh, are unique. These encounters are special. These encounters are meant to bless and encourage other people. Spiritual gifts are never meant to be used for personal gain. There's a, uh, a Bible teacher from England. He died like in the, in the mid-60s. His name is Donald G. And he says that true ministry of the spiritual gifts leaves man in the background and glorifies God. Isn't that good? And I think the charismatic gifts were being used by the Corinthians. We talked about a little bit this past week. They were being used by the Corinthians so that they could be seen. And when I say charismatic gifts, I want to clarify that. The word charismatic comes from the word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. So these charismatic gifts can be even seen as uh, gifts of grace. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But spiritual gifts are gifts 
of grace. You know, we, we get hung up on the word charismatic. You know, we've talked about that before. It's like, are you a charismatic church? Absolutely. We're full of grace. We receive His grace. We extend grace to others. And when we minister to one another, it is out of grace. Gifts of grace. But these gifts of grace were being used by the Corinthian for self-gain. They were um, doing things to where people could see them, especially some of the some of the more showy gifts like tongues and those kinds of things. And let me tell you, that is not God's heart. That's not what He had in mind for these gracious gifts. And as we dive a little bit deeper into 1 Corinthians 12, we have to remember to to uh, sift our understanding of and then obviously our operation of the spiritual gifts through the grid of the foundation that we've already laid over the last three weeks, that we have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that we have to deal with our flesh, we've got to put to death our flesh, and that the gifts, when we use them, they are to be supernatural. They are supernatural, and they're always given when the natural is not enough. We talked about that last week. And I encourage you, if you haven't been listening, if you haven't been here or you haven't been listening to the podcast, go back because there's some foundational truths. As we get into the, the actual gifts, there's some foundational things that will help um, all the gifts flow in better order. I believe in greater power because there's a solid foundation. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Um, Okay, well, one other thing I want us to keep in mind before we actually dive in is that all the gifts are meant to promote the gospel. Hear what I'm saying. If you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. The awe of the supernatural should never distract us from the awe of the gospel. Well, that's kind of obvious, Tony, uh, you know, the gospel. But listen, you'd be surprised at the people who focus on the supernatural and stand in awe of it all day long, but forget about the simplicity and the purity of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he did. It becomes all about gifts. It is never supposed to be all about the gifts. Supernatural should never distract us from uh, standing in awe of the gospel. So there's a couple things to think about before we dive in. The first one that he comes to, he says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then look at verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The word of wisdom is the first spiritual gift that we come to. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's more important or that it has to happen first or anything like that. It's just the first one that he lists. For to each one is given the word of wisdom. Now, this is probably my favorite gift, actually, because the older that I get and the more that I find myself responsible for, the more I realize that there's not a whole lot that I know. There's a lot that I don't get. There's a lot that I don't understand. There's a lot that I don't see. And you may be the same way. Some of you are, are getting older, and every year you, you, know, you experience more. And the more you experience, it's like the more I realize I don't have a clue. Can I get an amen on that one? You know, I remember whenever I was 20, I thought I knew everything. When I was 25, I, was, I, I might as well have had a doctorate in everything. You know what I mean? Now I'm 37. I'm like, I realize that I don't even think I've entered kindergarten yet. But I'm so grateful for James who, who just kind of gives us a, a little smidget of some good news there in James chapter 1. He says, um, he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. If any of you lack wisdom, you can ask God. And it says, who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to them. Now, some of your version says without rebuke. In other words, you can ask God for wisdom and he's not going to rebuke you for it. Don't ask me that. You should know that by now. Aren't you 37? Come on. 
I thought you knew that when you were 20. Remember, you had a doctorate at 25. Tony, come on. That's not what it says. He will not rebuke us when we ask for wisdom. Isn't that good news? That's very good news. So word of wisdom, what is it? What is a word of wisdom? Now, there's people that would say that it's the ability to explain the word of God. There's um, to help people understand the Bible better. And I don't disagree with that. I think people who can open the word and deliver um, messages or, or help somebody understand this. Well, what this is saying is this. I believe that is a gift. But I don't think that's all that a word of wisdom is. I'm going to give you a definition that I heard not long ago of what a word of wisdom is. If you're writing things down, you can write this down. A word of wisdom is the mind of God for a perplexing situation. A word of wisdom is the mind of God for a perplexing situation. Well, what does that mean? It means that there are times when worldly wisdom won't work. And it certainly won't work wonders. You know, you you look at the first two chapters of, of Corinthians and Paul talks about how cleverness of speech. Remember these things he talks about? Cleverness of speech, the superiority of speech. He talks about persuasive words. He talks about how the wisdom of men are not enough unless there is a demonstration of the spirit and power. He actually says that the faith of man will rest on the wisdom of man. Are you catching that? Superior words, wisdom of man, um, persuasive words, all of these things. He said, if these things won't work, there's got to be a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if there's not, then the faith of man, man's faith would, would um, depend upon on the wisdom of man. It's a scary thing. I think that's why Jeremiah in chapter 9, he says, let not a wise man boast in his wisdom. Yeah, there are things that we know. There are things that we've experienced. But you know what? There are times when, as much as I may know, and as much as I may have experienced in life, I won't have the ability to speak life and to speak peace into a certain situation. Things that are going on in, in someone uh, in my family's life or a friend's life. There's times where I just won't have enough. I won't have enough experience. I won't have enough knowledge. There's not enough in me because it's too complicated. It's too complex. It's too chaotic. It's too whatever. It doesn't matter what I know. It's not going to be enough. And it's at that point that God, who is way more concerned about meeting the needs of people, way more concerned about bringing peace into difficult, hopeless situations than I even am, He pours out His Spirit and He gives the supernatural ability to speak a word of wisdom. Great examples are maybe some of our family, some of our friends. I hear stories all the time of, Man, this is going on in my family. Sometimes I have my own stories. You know what I mean? This is what's going on with my friend. It's like, oh, man, that is tough. I don't know. Well, what would you do? I don't know. You know? So there's times when we're going through stuff personally or we know uh, someone in our family or friends are going through stuff. And let me tell you, unless God comes and gives some sort of advice, some sort of counsel, some sort of wisdom that is from on high, they are not going to make it. And we don't have the words. We don't know what to tell them. A couple of biblical examples. Y'all want a couple of biblical examples of words of wisdom? Look at 1 Kings 3, verses 16, and we'll go ahead and read through um, 28. You guys there? Uh, It says, Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. This is talking about King Solomon. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. 
Now, I just said something that some of you husbands have been saying for years. It says, I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child. And we were together. There were no strangers with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept and laid her in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, for the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And I don't know about you, but if you're the king and you're starting to hear that mess, you'd be like, what, what, what? No, he's mine. No, he's mine. I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that? You have this, this one baby that's died. And these two moms that are, that are fighting over the one baby that's alive, that's, that's a really sad situation enough as it is. And you know, Solomon is just going, what are you guys talking about? In fact, look what he says says, then the king said, well, the one says, this is my son who is living and your son is the dead one. And the other one says, no, for your son is the dead one. And my son is the living. And you know, Solomon is probably going, oh my God. Oh, he's hearing this. And all of a sudden he's like, I believe the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And he says, bring me a sword. <laughs> and look what he said. Bring me a sword. Go get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And you know the people were like, okay, where is this going? You know? The king said, divide the little child in two. And give half to the one and half to the other. That was his advice. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. I mean, he just said, Go get a sword and let's cut the kid in two. Now, who gives that kind of advice? Think about it. He's sitting there. You know, it's not like they were going to go, uh, it's, uh, you know, worldly wisdom into something. Of course, they didn't have this back then, but let's go get a DNA test. We'll, we'll square this thing away. You know, what do you say to something like that? He says, go get a sword. Let's cut the child in two. Where does that advice come? Well, it came from the Lord. And the peace, the life and peace was brought just then. In fact, look what it says. When all of Israel heard about the judgment which the king had handed down, and I love that it says that. I love that it says that the king handed down because it's almost like, what, Lord? Okay, cool. You know what I mean? That the, that the king handed down, and it was handed down. This was supernatural wisdom. This was a word of wisdom. This was a, a supernatural grace that the Lord gave Solomon. Look what it says. It says, They feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him, to administer justice. And there's something before we move on that I want to say. And I want you to write down. The results that God wants to bring through a particular gift, the results are more important than the gift itself. 
Again, some of the foundational things that we need to remember as we become people who operate more and more in the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. The results that God wants to bring forth through the particular gift is much more important than the gift itself. Can I get an amen on that? Now let's look at Matthew 22. I'll show you one more example of a word of wisdom. Matthew chapter 22. And this is a little bit shorter here. We'll start in verse 15. Matthew 22, verse 15. We're going to read this whole little story right here. It says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. Jesus had been teaching, saying some stuff, and the Pharisees came to Jesus so that, he, so that they could trap him. It says, And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful, and you teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one. For you are not partial to any. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? In verse 18, it says, Jesus perceived their malice. And I want to stop right there and, and, and show you that that right there is actually a word of knowledge. We're going to talk about word of knowledge in a second. But right here, I just wanted to show you another example of a word of knowledge. They perceive that word. Perceived is the word um, that means to know. Jesus knew what was going on in their, in their heart. He perceived what was going on, the malice that was inside of them. And he said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is on this? In other words, whose picture is on the coin? They said to him, Well, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. Now listen, that may not sound profound, but it truly is profound. I mean, he totally just shut them up. In fact, it says, And hearing this, they were amazed. Remember, the results are more important than the gift, isn't it? It says that they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. God gave him this one phrase, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, Unto God, what has got one phrase that's the divine piece of wisdom. Not only did it send them away, put them in their place, but it, it, it saved himself, it rescued himself. You might say, well, Jesus, first of all, he didn't need rescuing. And he's God, he's always got all the wisdom. You've got to remember that Jesus, he laid down all that. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. And in this situation, we have to recognize that he was man who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. We sometimes forget that in these things that Jesus does. We think, oh, well, he's God. That's why he did that. He was God. Remember, he didn't consider being God something to be equal with. All that stuff, he laid all that down, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. God gave him a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. By the way, it is not unheard of for God to give you a word of wisdom for yourself. In fact, God, please give me a word of wisdom for myself. Amen? There are times when we're going through stuff, and if I don't figure out what's going on, if God doesn't show me, if He doesn't give me wisdom, I'm going under. Here's the thing. There are people all around us who have lives that are full of chaos and full of unrest, whose lives are just a mess. Maybe some of you feel like your lives are a mess. There's definitely people around us, but their lives are just a mess. And they've sought over and over and over again the wisdom of men. But guess what? The wisdom of men does not bring relief. The wisdom of man won't get done what needs to get done. So God, think about this. 
whether it's a family member or a friend or yourself or whatever, God could and probably will use you to bring life and peace into the circumstance. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Some of you may have experienced that gift. You've, you've, you've flowed in that before or someone's um, given you a word of wisdom or whatever, something that really helped. But maybe, maybe some of you thought, I don't, I don't think that's for me. Listen, any of these gifts could be for anyone at any given time. The Lord could use you to bring life and peace to these tumultuous circumstances, situations that are around you. He will give you his mind and the ability to speak a word of wisdom, to deliver the right words in the right circumstances. It happens all the time uh, in counseling. You know, Melissa and I, we, we counsel people and I meet with people and people call me, I guess, by the nature of my position at the church. Hey, you're the pastor. You know everything. No, I don't, first of all. But I do have the opportunity to, to be with a lot of people and, and get to hear lots of stories and circumstances and situations and wow. You know, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Talk about some stories in, in kids' lives, you know. And there have been times where I'm hearing these stories and I don't know what to tell you. I have no idea. In fact, Melissa and I, last night, got a call at midnight from friends from way back when that lived far away. And the husband was smashed out of his gourd, drunk, had parked the, his car in front of her car so she couldn't get away. She had locked herself in the bathroom with her little boy. He's, he's screaming and yelling. She's screaming and yelling. I'm like... What? And she starts telling me the story, these things that are going on, and I'm like, you're so far away. There's nothing I could do. I can't go over there. I don't have anything to tell you. You want to talk about tumultuous. You want to talk about chaotic and unrest. It was midnight, you know what I mean? And fortunately, the Lord came through, and there's some things that he allowed me to say to them that I thought, uh, might bring some peace. I was like, I don't even know how I'm saying this. It doesn't even make sense. But brought back some things from my childhood, some similar things that I grew up early, early on, and was able to um, give some wisdom in that situation. Now, I don't know what happened. Um, you know, hung up the phone, and I, maybe I'll hear later. But you guys, y'all, y'all get some of the same phone calls or experience it face-to-face sometimes. Amen. Word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge. And to another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. And this is probably uh, the scariest gift for God to use you because it is like, it puts you out on a limb like no other manifestation gift. A lot of people think that a word of knowledge is the ability to know the Bible, like just to know it. I have it memorized. Um, and I don't disagree with that. I think it is, a, it is a, a definitely a gift to be able to memorize. You guys know people, it's like everything that comes out of the mouth is just the word. Like, how do you know so much word? You guys know what I'm talking about? I know some people like that. It's like, golly. It's definitely a gift. But you guys, if it, if it was just that, you know, there's a lot of people that are really smart. There's a lot of people in this room that are so smart. You remember everything that you read, everything that you hear, everything that you watch. You know the lyrics from every song from 1988 to now. You know, and you can just start jamming at any given point if you hear it on the radio. So that could very much just be a natural thing that God gave us. So I don't disagree with that, that definition, but I want to add to it. Uh, a word of knowledge is, according to the word and some of the examples that we see, is the eyes of God for out-of-sight information. We talked about the word of wisdom being the mind of God for a perplexing situation. Well, a word of knowledge is the eyes of God for out-of-sight information. In other words, information that is 
out of sight, not out of sight, like, wow, out of sight, you know, but like, you can't see. I'm not seeing this except by the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? It means there are times when natural knowledge is nowhere near enough. What you know in the natural, what you can see, it goes beyond those things, beyond the natural into the supernatural, things that are out of sight. You guys hear what I'm saying? A word of knowledge is usually very specific, very detailed. It's a piece of private information that God reveals to you about someone that there's no way you could have known what you just said or perceived. And it usually is something that goes straight to the heart, to deeper things uh, in somebody's life. You know, things maybe from the past that are keeping someone uh, bound up, maybe things in the now that are, are causing someone to be discouraged or things in the now that are causing someone to reject the goodness of the Lord. You know, sometimes we need somebody to look down deeper in our hearts and see what is going on there. That's the, when a, what a word of knowledge is. When God just comes in, you know, sometimes it could be like a picture. Sometimes you could be somewhere and maybe you're, you see someone or you see a situation, you know, usually it's with a person because that's what the gifts are for to encourage people. But you, you see a picture, you know, it's like maybe, um, hey, sir, can I, can I share something with you? I just got this picture of, uh, of a little boy lying on the ground next to a bicycle that um, had fallen over and these, these scraped knees and you're just crying and there's, and there's no one around um, to help you and you're just all alone and you're just um, all by yourself. I don't know, man. I, was just, I saw that picture when I, when I looked at you. Does that mean anything to you? And all of a sudden, the guy's like, dude, you have no idea. My dad was going to be teaching me how to ride the bike on a Saturday. And he was in a car wreck on a Thursday, and he died. And on that Saturday, I was all alone. All the stuff was going on with the funeral. But I went out and tried to ride my bike anyway, and I just kept falling and falling and falling. And my dad wasn't there. There's no way you could have known that. Can I pray for you? You guys hear what I'm saying? Those things happen. It can happen. You know? Sometimes it's a, a, a picture like that. Sometimes it's something that you see. And you, you share some. Hey, I was going to show you. Sometimes it's just a word. Sometimes it's a phrase that can come to your mind. You say, there's just, I'm, I'm looking at you or I'm talking with you. Man, this phrase just keeps coming into my mind. I just wanted to share it with you and it's blah, 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 blah. I don't know if that means anything, but I just felt like the Lord wanted me to, to share that with you. That is what the Lord has been speaking to me over and over and over for the past week. You just confirmed something that God is doing in me. And so, God, and so they're encouraged. They're, they're, um, they're, they're inspired to push on towards godliness and all those things. You guys hear what I'm saying? And here's the thing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you can be given a word of knowledge and not even know that you're doing it. That used to happen to me all the time in the youth group. I can remember this one time. I was teaching on something. I'm sure it was sin and stop messing around with your girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, in, in youth... Um, we, we had a stage, but it was a small stage, and all the band equipment was on the stage. There's not really much room to stand on the stage. And so um, it, was, it was real tight circles, just out and out and out and out, close to the stage. And so when I talk, I mean, I'm literally right in people's face. You know, I'm like, Ugh. And so I'm teaching, and I'm sharing, and I'm walking around, and, and I'm teaching on sin. I remember teaching on sin, and, and there's this um, kid, and uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say his name. Let's say his name was, you know, Bocephus. You know what I mean? There's like six Bocephus in our group. I shouldn't have said that. No. 
So I'm sitting there and I'm talking and I'm talking about sin. It's like, you know, like, like Bocephus. Let's say last night he and his brother had been drinking and they got just dog-faced drunk. And they went out and they were partying all night long. And, and he went out and was throwing up in the back of his truck. And he was so sick that he tried to get back to the house, but he passed out in the yard before he even got to the house. And he was just uh, slept in the yard all night long. You know, I know that Bocephus, that would never happen. But that's what I'm trying to say. And Bocephus is over there going... You know, I'm just using him as an example of what you ought not to do. You know what I mean? And afterwards, Bocephus came to me and was like, dude, did somebody tell you or something? It's like, <laughs> I was like, what? What? <laughs> and he said, you just explained exactly what happened last night. You know? It's like, stop doing that. You know what I mean? I mean, that would happen... Actually, quite, quite often, you know, I'd be, I'd be using someone as an example, and then, but the Lord has given a word of wisdom, and that person's like, oh my gosh, you know. So with, things like that can happen with, without you even knowing that you're doing it, which is awesome because that shows who's in control. The Holy Spirit. Who does the gift belong to? The Holy Spirit. It's divine, not mine. Amen? And so let me give you a couple of biblical examples. Um, we'll we'll fly, fly through these. Um, Due to time, but if you look at John four sixteen, this is when Jesus has that encounter with the Samaritan woman. You guys remember the story at the well? This is a perfect example. You guys, most of you know the story. Jesus had been walking for a long way, and he came to a well, and uh, he saw a Samaritan woman there, and he said, "Give me a drink." And um, and she said, "You know, how are you asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink?" And he said, "If you knew the gift of God, that uh, if you know who it was that is asking you for." for a drink. You would be asking him for a drink. Um, and then she, uh, he says, well, give me his drink. I, you know, all this stuff. And, and uh, he starts talking about whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst again and all that stuff. And then she says, well, sir, give me, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come here all the way to draw again. And he said to her, well, go call your husband and come here. And she said, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have answered correctly. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said is true. And she goes on to say, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers, and she goes on about worship and this, that, and the other. And he says, you know, the hour is coming when worshipers were worshiping in spirit and truth and this whole thing. And then she actually goes off. She's like, whoa, he just read my mail. She goes off, tells all her friends, could this be the Messiah? He told me everything that I've ever done. And all the Samaritans came and heard the word for themselves, and they began believing. Again, the results are more important than the gift. Amen? It's a great example of how the Lord, yes, we know that Jesus, like we talked about, we know that He was Jesus, we know He can do anything, but He was man in that moment, inspired by the Holy Spirit, was given a word of knowledge for this lady. And He actually goes on to prophesy about um, the true worshipers will worship, and we'll talk about prophecy later. But you see a couple of gifts operating right there in that moment. Another example is in Acts 5. You guys know um, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And, and Peter um, had that uh, word of knowledge. You know, Ananias and Sapphira had, had sold a piece of land. All the people were bringing uh, things that they sold and the money from what they sold to the apostles' feet so they could feed all the hungry people and meet all the needs of the church. Ananias and Sapphira were wealthy. They sold a piece of property. And they came and they said, here's all the money that we... That we um, that we sold for our property here. All of it goes to the church. And Peter was like, Whoa. you know, his antennas are going nuts. Look what he says. 
Actually, let me turn there. He basically says, um, why has Satan filled your heart to lie against the Holy Spirit? The money was yours. The land was yours. If you wanted to keep some back for yourself, keep some back for yourself. Why are you saying that you didn't keep any back for yourself? And so God totally showed Peter the wickedness that was Ananias' heart. And he dropped dead right there. And then his wife comes in and Peter's like, hey, um, how you doing? Good to see you. Your husband was in here earlier. Hey, I just had one quick question. We got a lot to do, but I had a question. Um, Is all the money that you guys sold, you know, did you give everything? She's like, oh, yeah. You know, she kills over dead too. You know what I mean? So right there, see, God could give you a word of knowledge. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) People just, no, kidding. That probably won't happen. But you see a couple of examples there of where the Lord can show you things that there's no way that you could have known. Uh, now, some of you may say, well, that sounds a lot like, like prophecy. It's very, very similar to prophecy. There are some things about prophecy that are, um, that are distinguishable from a, a, a word of, of knowledge and a word of wisdom. Those three kind of you know, really flow together. Actually, even uh, the, um, the discerning of spirits, all of those kind of flow together. Um, and we'll talk about some of them. One of the main things is that, you know, a word of knowledge uh, usually works with something that's going on in the present or something in the past to bring, to bring forth knowledge in situations. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times a prophecy is something um, that will happen in the future. That's one of the things that, that can set those apart and be a little different. Um, but they are very, very, very similar. Now, what about me? We're about to close here. But what about me? What about this gift of, of um, a word of knowledge for me. Um, kind of the same thing. I believe that God would use any of us in this room at any given point to see into the deep recesses of somebody's heart in order to encourage them, to bless them, to spur them on towards um, um, godliness and good deeds and love and affection towards the Lord and all that kind of stuff. At any given point, at any given point, you could be um, outside at work or you know school or wherever you're at, or you could be in this place and the Lord give you a word picture. How many of that have ever happened to you? You've been somewhere and the Lord has given you a picture and you're like, whoa, you're almost like, where did that come from? You almost can't see past it. It's so vivid and so clear. Raise your hand. How many of you have been somewhere and there's this word, you're, you're talking with someone or about to talk with someone or you're in the room with someone and there's this, there's this sentence or this phrase or whatever that's just going through your head and you can't get it out of your head and you know it's for that person right over there. Raise your hand. Yeah, it happens. In that moment, the Lord is wanting you to use you to encourage someone to speak a word of knowledge for someone. Maybe it's somebody that's struggling. Maybe it's somebody that's going through a hard time and and he wants to affirm them of his love and grace uh, and mercy through you. Maybe he wants to encourage them, whatever it is that, you know. um, But there are words that are so specific that when you deliver them, the people will know that only God could have known that and only God could have shown you that. Amen? Now, here's the deal. What will it take for us to operate in a gift like this one, in a gift like the words of wisdom? And there's three things. You can just write these down. The first thing is this. Now, these are, these are supernatural gifts, and they're scary. And like I said, this, this one here, word of knowledge, is, is the one where, man, you're stepping out on a limb here. Because what if you say, I got this picture, you know, or I got this word, and they look at you like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. You're weird. You know what I mean? It's true. It could happen, you know? And it could be that you're, you're, you know, maybe you are missing it or maybe that, you know, you're not, God's not showing you anything or you just are judging maybe based upon the five senses, appearances. And that's very, that's very true. That happens. You know, 
I think that you, sir, I perceive that, that you do steroids, don't you? Why would you say that? Because you're ginormous. You know what I mean? Well, maybe that's not nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe God's not saying that. Maybe you're just being critical and judgmental. So it's one of those that you can really set yourself out there, you know, to be, or, or maybe it's something that you do share, but someone's so embarrassed because of the intimacy of the details that they're like, ah, man, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I got to go. Either way, it can be humiliating. You know what I mean? But here's the deal. It doesn't matter if God wants to use you in those gifts, which I believe he does. At some time, some point or another, the Lord wants to use you. And not just these two, but any of the, of the nine that we're going to talk about. But the first thing you need to know is, listen, step up in your relationship with God. We talked this morning about intimacy, sitting still, being quiet before the Lord. You need to step up. It's not rocket science to know that God will use people who are more intimate with him. He will speak to them more when they are connected with him. That's not rocket science, is it? The next thing is to step out. Be available. Be sensitive. Be obedient. Those are, those are huge. Those are key. Be sensitive. Be in tune. Be obedient. The Lord's saying to do something. Don't, don't stall out. I got this word for the, but I'm not going to share it because what if I look like a bozo? Listen, step out. Go for it. You might be the agent that brings this person back into relationship with the Lord. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I'm talking to you. Like you could be that person. You could be the person that brings someone back into right relationship with the Lord to encourage someone. You could be the person that keeps somebody from committing suicide. You could be the person to keep somebody from divorcing their husband or divorcing their wife. You guys hear what I'm saying? Everybody is able to be filled with the Holy Spirit and used in these gifts. And it's a wonderful thought to know that the body can be active. Amen? And the third thing is to step aside. Some of us have experienced some of these gifts, and it's a very, very powerful moment whenever you know that you've been used by God. But we have to remind ourselves every time, step aside and give God the glory. Give God the glory. Now, here's the thing I want to close with. When to use, how and when. There's basically two arenas, outside of these walls and inside of these walls. Outside of these walls and inside of these walls. It's a stepping out either way. It should be more difficult to use these types of gifts outside of the walls. People we work with, family, friends. But the truth is, it's actually more difficult to operate in these inside of the walls. Isn't that interesting? Where the gathered saints, meant to gather together, worship the Lord, encourage one another. But we stifle the gifts. And we're like, I'm not going to do that. What if they think I'm weird? We're in the church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. All right? But this is the very place where we won't do it. And I tell you, um, when you come on a Sunday morning, step out. Be sensitive to what the Lord's saying. Worship Him. Worship Him. Have your time with Him. Be refreshed. But also, how can I be used this morning? Or is it just going to be Pastor Tony delivering some sort of message? The truth is that you may have a word of wisdom. You may have a word of knowledge. That has nothing to do with what I'm going to say. You know, Justin Reese may have a word for Chris Mullins. I was in worship, and, uh, you know, for a split second, I just kind of opened my eyes, and I looked over, and I got this picture, man. I got this picture, you know. Or I, I looked over and, at Chris Pound, and, and there's this, this thing just kept rolling through my mind, and the Lord was urging me to go and talk to you. And so maybe in, in worship, you just 
nonchalantly. Go over there by them. And <laughs> Can I share something with you? Uh, dude, I'm worshiping. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. <laughs> Can you, I'm opening the eyes of my heart here. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. Like, sure. Sure. And you share that. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't be afraid to sit in the back row and then walk right up here to, um, to Chris or to Aiden or to Chris or to Ken or to Chris or to Chris. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? I know I'm being funny and I know we're going a little bit long, but listen, this is important. This is some of the most important things that we can do as a body. Otherwise, we are just coming and being spectators. We're not supposed to be spectators. When you come in here, be sensitive, be ready. Is it possible? Is it possible that the Lord could give you a word of wisdom? And those two go together a lot of times. Sometimes the Lord will give you a word of knowledge for someone and turn right around and give you the exact wisdom they need to make it through that difficult uh, time. A lot of times those two work together. Isn't that cool? Let's stand.